0: Thank you very much. I've been told that we're pressed for time because uh, because we have to get to lunch. (laughs) And the truth of that is that we gained a tremendous amount over this weekend and I want to focus a little bit on what we've gained. When we first came in they had these two types of ravioli and the ziti and then there was the falafel table over there and alright this is silly, you remember all the food. There are still people chazering it over, you know. (laughs) You remember that, you know, (laughs) that was great, yeah. But uh, this is just an unbelievable event. Um, I was told that the convention was sold out months in advance, and I said that's because people heard I was coming. (laughs) Now, I learned my lesson, (laughs) because I was at Pesach at Gateways for two years, and then, you know, he says to me, do you have any idea how much you cost? You know, bring in your family and everything, you know? And I said, Yeah, I don't know why you have me. You should just bring in an old couple. And that was the last time I was ever called. <laughs> so I learned my lesson. This convention is because of me. <laughs> Everybody and his brother is here. You know? It's unbelievable. People said to me, How do you choose? You look over the list of people, this rabbi, that rabbi, this speaker, that one. How do you decide which class to go to? It's so difficult. I didn't want to go to my own. I was so many other good ones to go to. <laughs> I had no choice. I had to, you know? But it's like, Momish, everybody who's anybody is here at this convention. And I just have to say this one thing. Chari Harari, you have a job, okay? You you're a lawyer. You have a real job. Why are you taking work away from us hardworking rabbis who can't do anything else? <laughs> I got to compete with doctors and lawyers and accountants? Give me a break, you know? (laughs) Anyway, so that's why they put me here at the end because I have never been at a convention where I talk this little. The only time I get to speak this little is when I'm with my children. But... um... We were once supposed to go away someplace for Pesach. The first time we were, we were going to go to a Pesach hotel, and I said, uh, I, said I don't think my kids are going to want to leave, you know, so I, I said to them, uh, I said, listen, we have this offer to go to America for Pesach. And they're like, yay, we're going to America. I said, no, 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 it's not going to be with Bobby and Zadie. We're, we're going to go to a hotel. Yay, we're going to a hotel. I said, does anyone want to hear what I have to say? They said, no. <laughs> I said, we're only being invited because people want to hear what I have to say. How come here nobody wants to hear what I have to say? They said to me, "Abba, we're going with you or without you." <laughs> I said, "They don't want you. Do you understand?" <laughs> so uh, this is at the end of a convention where you know uh, just so many people are speaking, and I just don't know if I'm going to stop. So forget about lunch. Anyway, all right, let's get down to important business. Yeah, this is Ada. Mishenuchnas Ada Marvim Vesimcha. The Gemara says, Ain ben ella," and it turns out everything Yonim, the Suda. the only thing they have in common is Simcha, okay? And there's this concept of Simcha. Do you, do you? I don't know if you're old enough to remember when perm was fun. It was—it was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, young people have no idea what it means anymore because everything has gotten out of control. You know, my kid was two years old going off to gun, So my wife has to make him a costume. Two years old! So she takes like a red jogging suit, she sort of looked royal, you know, took an apron, tied around his neck as a a cape, you know, and got him a little crown out of aluminum foil, put on some makeup. I mean, the kid's two years old, the van pulls up with like the cast from some Hollywood, you know, costume drama, you know, my kid's mouth drops open, you know. He's still traumatized to this day, you know. (laughs) The costumes have gotten completely out of control, you know. Um, Do you remember when they had groggers? Just little groggers, rig, 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 rig. You know, it's cute, you know? Now there's like some guy with an eight-foot wooden grogger. Grog, 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 you know? And they've got the the cap guns, the explosive devices, you know, things are going off. Halfway through the Megillah, you don't care about humming, you want to kill that kid, you know what I mean? Forget about drinking. Well, people used to have a couple of drinks, they were a little tipsy. Now people are sick drunk. You never saw such a thing, you know? But Major Shapiro said that until you're 40, uh, you shouldn't drink. Because, you know, that when you go in, what's inside of you comes out. And most people don't have anything worthwhile to offer until they're 40. I added to that, most of the stuff that does come out should have stayed in in the first place. So, you say, gosh, me Yeah. So, uh, so it's really an amazing thing But the only thing that other Aleph and other Shemi have in common Is of course uh, Simcha And I want to tell you a story That I think is an amazing story <sighs> um, I was teaching Hay, Where he talks about uh, Simcha And he, said, he brings a postage simcha So I told the story I told the story um, the Miami Boys Choir wanted to do a concert in Yerushalayim. So they went to the Badats of the Eidah Haredes to ask Rishos for a concert. They never heard of it. Mazek concert. So he says, you know, bring everybody together, you mach lebedek, you're simcha. They said, simcha Shalma, ma, simchas chosem Vekala, simchas siyem ha simchas... Um, you know, i Shaleva, Eze Min So they made it in television. But, um, <laughs> but I said, you know, there was such an unbelievable concept because this opens up the concept now that we have today, of course, of Jewish entertainment, kosher entertainment. They, we always had kosher entertainment, it was called a magid. You know, he'd come to town, he'd give you Musa and collect money, that was called entertainment You know, now you have to have a show You know uh, I don't want to mention who it is, because people might Know who it is, but it's a pretty well known performer Who was actually in my class In Yeshiva G'dayla And uh, we were someplace, and he was Doing a concert, and he said to his kids, would your Father come? Alright, so I come to this Concert, i would never really been to a concert, you know He's putting on costumes He's rollerblading, he's throwing <laughs> things out Into the audience, he's a uh, co- Carrying on, you know? I said, What is this? He says, Because nobody's going to come to hear people sing. You know? If you want to see that, you know, then go watch the DeVacus in concert. You know? They had this once at the Haas concert. A.B. Roddenberg sat at a piano and everybody else stood like this (laughs) Shalom, Shalom Road. And then they stopped and he played the piano and they all said, You know, no, people want to see dancing. They want to see you carrying on. They want to, you know. I have a is here, that's why I wanted to throw in my vacancy. <laughs> anyway, but uh, they, they, you know, it's the, you know, it, it, entertainment, we have the, we're excited, you know? So I went on what my students call a rant. I call it an in-depth analysis of society's problems. <laughs> and, um, and I said, what is, what is with music today? You know? Anybody remember when there was Jewish music? You have to be old enough. You know, I remember when it died. I was there. I remember when Jewish music died. Yeah? Until then, everything was like, you know, there was a guitar and an accordion and a drummer, you know? And, uh, and every song ended the same way, you know what I mean? Ya'zeh shalom, shalom, shalom aleinu ev'yalka Yisra'el! Bum, bum, bum! That was it. That was Jewish music, you yeah? know? I remember they wanted to ban the rabbi's sons because it was too rocky. They would, like, really hit the guitar. You know, that was like really wild But then I remember that a performer I I don't want to mention any names, you know But he decided to take the Eurovision Song Contest winner Which was a German song by a rock group called Genghis Khan And put Yiddish words to it Yeah, if you remember this So you'd be at the usual chasna Where everybody was dancing like this You know, (laughs) basically adulating You know what I mean If it was a real exciting group they changed directions, you know what I mean? (laughs) That was about it, you know. And then all of a sudden the band would go, and everybody over the age of thirty got off the dance floor, and they did the hidden dance, and it was like dust is dust, I, 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 you know, And that was the beginning of the end, you know. And so now you have like a group, you know, of you know singers and they're singing, and then all of a sudden they take the guitars and start smashing it, you know, <laughs> you know and Jumping up and down, you know, lying on the ground, you know. It, 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 it somehow got. Right. And the amazing thing is about this music is you have to blast it. You can't play it, you have to blast it, you know? I'm at the age now where we look forward to the three weeks. It's the happiest time of the year, you know? It's just, it's like totally out of control, you know? So I'm, I'm discussing society's issues with the girls, you know? And I said, what, is the, what are these concerts, what is this all about? And a girl gave me an answer that was so poignant, and painful, that it made such an impression on me. I share it with you now. She said, because our lives are so unhappy, we need a reason to be happy. We have to find a reason to be happy. Right? I have a reputation for presenting things in a humorous way. So people will sometimes stop me in the street and say, Rebelovsky, tell me a joke. I'm unhappy. I don't have any jokes. I just share what's going on in the world around us. And that's, that's if it's funny, it's funny. But, you know, but, but I'm so unhappy. Tell me something to make me happy. What, what, where's this unhappiness coming from? Why isn't there this excitement? Everybody knows the uh, He has a beautiful schmooze where, where Paro says to Yaakov How old are you? And he says I'm 130 But I look old because I had a hard life And Hashem says he yeah, had such a hard life I'll take away one year for every word as But he also lost words for Paro's question and He says because if somebody looks at you As a from Jew and says Why do you look unhappy? That is a condemnation of everything we stand for Why aren't we happy? Where's where's the lack of satisfaction coming from? So, I I want to I want to focus on perhaps one aspect of Purim, which, as I mentioned, you know, is you know, din of Simcha and both Aders. And uh, if you want, I'll give you the Rosh Hashanah look. Anyway, that's for my gutal card if it ever comes out. Anyway. See what you can trade that for. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I did a tour to Prague, you know, and they, they said, what's the, uh, what's the um, uh, exchange rate here? I said, they, they use crones. I said, six crones to a friend, two friends to an Orlowski. Anyway. <laughs> you tell a joke like that and you see everybody explaining it to each other. I really feel those kind of jokes bring clients all together, and I think that's nice. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, so, you, so you understand uh, the... Uh, uh, one aspect of Purim that I want to try to focus on, and that is the beautiful Mindig of Shalakhmanis. I say the beautiful Mindig of Shalakhmanis when, uh, of course, like everything else, it's gotten taken completely out of proportion. You know, you remember when Shalakhmanis was like a nice thing where, you know, you make a Shalakhmanis and send it to somebody, you know? I, when I was growing up, we never needed a theme. You know? My kids get into a panic a month beforehand. What's our theme? I said, how about Purim? We'll make Amitashin. Put in a bottle of wine, you know, and send, no, 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 it has to be a color, yellow, green, blue, we've done all these colors themes already, you know, last year Shushan Purim, I'm in our Shushan Purim came out uh, on Friday, they did Black Friday, <laughs> everything had to be black, that was joyous, anyway, <laughs> you know, but it uh, has to have a color, has to have a theme, You know, or Levski, everything looked like a heart, you know what I mean? Like, you know, and it's handing to me a theme to that, you know, and it gets more and more out of control, you know. Somebody sends you, like, the mishkan made out of chocolate, you know what I mean? And with movable kalim and stuff, you know. Someone once sent me one of these things, they made all these little chocolate things, I made the mistake of eating one of them, they had a heart attack, you know. They said, Why would you send me a shalachmon? I said, I can't eat, you know what I mean? Donate it to a museum, you know but uh, there's you know uh, that's, that's uh, different kind of things they send to fancy ones not so fancy ones you know and then you show up someplace and you realize you're not on their list you know and they quickly like take a Shachamonis and give it to you and you realize it's yours that you gave to somebody else you know it still has the card in it you know but that's okay because you like your stuff better anyway so you know So, so you get back to Shalach Monas, you know, and, you know, you wonder if it's getting out of control. Um, Rabbi R- R- Scheinberg had a Sefer, a Mishmashayla, it's called mishmeres Chayyut. And he asked the question like this, Can you give a Shalach Monas as a Matona amanas la And In Halacha you have a concept that I can give you something as a Matona and it's yours as long as you give it back to me. So i give you a Shalach Monas, I condition that you give it back to me. Then you only have to make one shalach You make the rounds, you know, and you go around, you know. Nobody wants it anyway, so it's like, you know, like, you know, everybody, you know, this is it. You know, take it back, you know. Right? So he know no. <laughs> he poskins no because the purpose of shalach is to make shalom ben ish l'reyehu. It's to be able to create achdus. It's To be able to make reus. And if you create something that in itself just makes a person feel bad, then it can't possibly be the mitzvah of Shalach that's the, uh, that's the answer that he gives. So, it's interesting, I, I thought of speaking about this because outside is the display of the Project Inspire Shalach manis, where they want you to go over and reach out to somebody and send them a Shalach manis, somebody who might otherwise not get one, and use this as an opportunity of creating um, this shalom so, I, I want to I try to speak about this idea a little bit, if I can. Yeah. The Shla HaKadosh has a famous expression that everyone's familiar with. Yom Kippurim. The Torah refers to Yom Kippur as Yom Kippurim. And the Shla Dashins, Yom Kippurim, is a Yom Kippurim. It's a day-like Purim. On Yom Kippur, when you are dressed in white and you're standing in shul and you're fasting you're standing as much as you can like a malach you're in this unbelievable madrega. you can almost reach the level that you can on Purim when a bunch of drunken people are getting sick on your furniture <laughs> almost you're almost on that level now, how do we understand such a thing? yeah so he says like this very important uh, concept there's a um, uh concept, the Gemara and Shabbos tells us that the Kabbalah HaTorah that took place on Purim was greater than the Kabbalah HaTorah that took place on Shavuos on Shavuos, it's Mamed Har Sinai we saw the sounds and we heard the sights and we're on this unbelievable prophetic level and Moshe Rabbeinu was standing there and we hear how Baruch Hu speak and there was a greater Kabbalah HaTorah on Purim how could that be? So he says The Orchai MaKadosh tells us There are three prerequisites To receiving the Torah That's Hidashos from the Posach You know um, uh, At the beginning of Peragiotes and Shmos Where he goes through You had to be in Bamidbar Because the Midbar was a place Where there wasn't and There wasn't and All the different things he goes through One of the things That the Orchai MaKadosh says Is a prerequisite Is Akhtus. The We became like one person We could not have received the Torah Without Now when you think about it It makes a lot of sense Right? We've all heard this There are 600,000 Jews Who receive the Torah And there are 600,000 letters In the Torah Both of which are not true both statements are not true 600,000 were the men Between the ages of 20 and 60 It does not count the women Who are mentioned first It doesn't count the women It doesn't count people under 20 It doesn't count people over 60 The number 600,000 didn't include Moshe and Aram They were 80 They were out of the, they were out of the count But Conceptually there were 600,000 people Just as conceptually there are 600,000 letters Because there are actually 304,730 No one knows, too. Anyway <laughs> <laughs> This kid is waiting by the payphone He's waiting for a call And a call comes in And the guy says Hi, could you get, uh, could you get uh, the, the of Weinberg So he says ah, I can't, I'm waiting for a phone call Get off the phone What are you wasting my time for? He says, "Do you know who this is?" Says no. Says, "This is the Rosh Hashiva." (laughs) The boy says, "You know who this is?" He says, "No." He says, "Good." Hangs up the (laughs) phone. So if you don't know, then take my word for it. I don't know. (laughs) They'll check it out later. You know, they'll say, "Oh, you weren't completely accurate," but that didn't stop anybody at the Republican debate. So anyway. There always have these fact checks afterwards, you know. But anyway, so, um, uh, so there are 304,000 and something letters, right? So... Okay, so some of the letters, uh, ches is really two Zions, a um, uh, tof is really a ration, a nun. you can break it down. But, but there's a, a, a message here that's more important than the technical fact, and that is, there are 600,000 people and 600,000 letters because every single yid is a letter in the Sefer Torah. And if you're missing a letter in the Sefer Torah, the Sefer Torah is puzzle. And I don't care if it's the big ayin in Shema, yeah, or um, for the people who really know how to pronounce it yeah, uh, the, the, the ayin And I don't care if it's the Vav and Vayur, Ma'ashem and Moshe Every single letter is Essential and every Yid Is a letter in the Sefer Torah And if you're missing one, you're, you're, you're Choset Therefore, Achthus is essential Because you would have an essential part of my Torah I need you if I'm going to get Torah So therefore, everybody has to be Together, right? Okay So we stand at Harsinai and we have an Achthus but it wasn't an Achthus like we had on Purim. It was an Achtus like we have on Yom Kippur. What is the Achthus that we have on Yom Kippur? People are not fighting. That was the Achthus we had in Shavuos. Va'yisu mi refidim says the Kliyokar you can reverse letters works out well for me because I'm dyslexic so I, I, I do it anyway. You know. So he says you can reverse the resh and the peh rafidim, and make it predim. Like you threw with keves and kesef, yeah? So the feed them becomes freedom. They were purred, they were separate. So you remove that, yisumir them. they stop fighting. That's what happens in Yom Kippur. We don't fight Chas for There's that beautiful minute before Yom Kippur, it is so heartwarming to watch, where people go around and say, Dimei chamei, Dimei chamei, Dimei And somebody who you really heard, you know, So I don't know if I can, Dimei yeah, well, I don't know if you really feel bad. Do you mind me? I'm trying to tell you. All right, three times. Now it's your Rivera. It's heartwarming. It's heartwarming. I, it's so beautiful to watch. Nobody fights unless, of course, you take my seat. Then I can kill you by law. You, like, you know, actually, it's in Kippa. People don't actually you know, tell you to get out of their seat. They in right next to you. You know, like leaning on you. Is this your seat? Yeah, but that's okay. You can sit there if you want. (laughs) We don't fight, I'm kidding. we don't fight. But there's not a desperate need for each other. Yeah? At Shavuos we weren't fighting, we all stood together, but we didn't desperately need each other. There is nothing that brings people together like knowing we're all going to die tomorrow. You're gonna die tomorrow? Me too? You can go first. (laughs) I believe it was Samuel Adams who said gentlemen if we do not hang together we shall surely hang separately yeah people understood I need you there's a desperate need for each other and therefore when we when we go into Purim Purim is interactive you know I'm not much of a drinker you know um I'm high on life. <laughs> anyway, but uh, you see there, are people who start drinking, I don't know how this, you know, think about yeshiva guys, you know, and they come over to you and they go, oh, they throw their arms around you and they're like sweating all over you and they're rubbing their nose on you. You know, my world, you know, and you're like, I'm gonna have to burn this suit. It's, uh, I'm not even sending it to the cleaners, I just, I'm finished, you know, you know? They're all over you. It breaks down all those inhibitions. It gives you that, that feeling. What is shalach manis, ideally? Shalach is, you eat what I like, and I'll eat what you like. This has taught me to try to develop classy friends.
1: <laughs> this
0: one guy in Harnofer gives out sliced roast beef. I worked hard at maintaining this relationship. <laughs> I tried to get rid of all my bumba people, you know what I mean, like, you know? <laughs> bag of bumba and a couple of loose nuts, sounds I was like, it's okay. Keep going, keep going, you know? I'm not giving you one of my theme, uh, Shalos for that,
1: you know?
0: <laughs> you know how it is that we all, everyone knows what they like, and they like their own stuff, and nobody wants to, you know, step outside of their comfort zone, right? Um, For me, that of course means sushi. I have never gotten sushi. I don't understand what it's all about. Every firm person today, by law in America, has to eat sushi. Wherever we go, they serve sushi and and, uh, spicy fries, and that's it. That's where American Jewry has gone, you know. But to my idea, fish should be cooked and served on a plate. (laughs) And not wrapped up in sticky rice. But... uh, it 's at these moments that my kids like, roll their eyes at me and say, "Ah, but you don 't get it, and i don 't <laughs> I really don 't there 's so much stuff I just don 't get, and my kids know it. you know um, m- My sons they buy themselves a suit. OK, they have to find the right suit, you know, depending on the time of year, and the styles three buttons, five buttons, twelve buttons, nineteen buttons, you know what I mean, but once they get that suit, they will will that suit until it disintegrates on their body until there 's nothing but suit molecules being held together <laughs> by pure will. My daughter, daughters, I have eight of them, you know, exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's right, when we make a simcha, it's a tragedy, trust me, you know. I have to outfit uh, nine women, yeah. And there is no one continent that has clothes for all of them, you know. So they'll wait till they find something really, ridiculously expensive that I hate. That's one of the prerequisites, I have to hate it. Because if I don't let them buy it, they'll continue wearing that long, ratty skirt that's like falling apart and they're like, I have nothing else to wear, you know? I mean? So they buy this ridiculously expensive outfit, they wear it three times and will never wear it again. Because it's not me. I said, of course it's not you, you're a carbon-based life form and this is an article of clothing. And they roll their eyes at me and say, but you don't get it. I don't get it, yeah? I don't get sushi, There's a lot of things I don't get, yeah? But, okay, people know what they like, people know what they enjoy, you know? Now take the food that you like and give it to somebody else and eat what they like. This is, this is always a frightening experience, you know? Um, for my fellow Ashkenazim in the room, you know when you go someplace and they serve you a cholent and you take a potato and it's really an egg? <laughs> and you're like, there's an egg! In my shalent, how did this happen? (laughs) That is not supposed to happen. In a world where God runs everything in a fair level, you know. But people have different tastes. We When it comes to taste, you know, and nothing to fight about. Everybody has a different sense of taste. I can't say what's right and what's wrong. Yeah, I can say what I like. But I can't say that that's right or what's wrong. Comes from, I say, learn to appreciate what I like. Yeah? Every left tells a story where he was going to eat by Moroccans in our cell, where they still make them right, the old style ones. And uh, he says, listen, I'm, I'm just a poor Ashkenazi from Cleveland. You know what I mean? I went to tells you know. I can't eat this stuff. He goes, don't worry. We'll tell you if it's spicy. He says, they bring out this fish with this red sauce and look at her and he goes, Fine. He says, and I put a spoonful of this fire in my mouth. <laughs> and I feel my palate burn away. I drank without exaggeration an entire gallon of water, you know? And she looks at me and says, A Fell. You know that? that was mild, you know what I mean? Because it's different things. Did you ever pick up a plate of like green peppers and realize they were jalapeno?
1: <laughs>
0: I still have nightmares. But uh, you know, but there are people who enjoy very spicy food. There are people who enjoy all kinds of different things. You know, I was here Friday night. Uh, there was, uh, you know, a, a, a treat that you don't always get, Gribbiness, you know, which you don't supposed to eat. Put it right inside of your artery. Don't even... Don't even cut out the middleman. Just stick it right in there. In fact, don't even do... Don't even eat it. Just go straight for the bypass. You know what I mean? Just not even... But people, people like it What are you going to do? People have different tastes People have different things that they appreciate Shalach is step outside of my comfort zone I want to enjoy what you enjoy And I want you to enjoy what I enjoy Because that ultimately is the key to everything Not that I can um, appreciate that there are people who are different Can you understand where I'm coming from? Can you understand it? says, famous story from Ayur Levin, the tzaddik of Yushalayim, right? Tzaddik at that time, the famous biography. There was a Makolan owner that was staying open um, into uh, Shabbos. He was staying open for a few hours at the Shabbos. So people were protesting, people were this, but that. So Ayur Levin shows up one Arab Shabbos, and he's already dressed for Shabbos, you know, and he comes and he stands in the store. Now everybody, from, not from They love to buy a in. So he says, uh, uh, Rebbe, can I get something for you? He says, no, no, that's okay He says, do you need anything? He says, no And he's just standing there So eventually he says, Rebbe, can I get you a chair? He says, sure And takes a chair and he sits there And he sees it's bench benching People coming in and buying And it's shkia, people coming in and buying And it's seis, and people coming in and buying And finally, an hour or two after seis The guy gets ready to close up and Raya Levine is still sitting there He says, Rebbe, is, what, what was it? What, 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 were you, what did you need? He says, I heard there was a Yid in Yerushalayim Who opened up his store on Shabbos And I said, everybody's protesting Does anyone understand what he's going through? Does anyone know what his Nisayan is? I want to see it for myself And Taka, it's unbelievable You made so much money in these past few hours it must be such a terrible Nisayin for you. A And he says, Rebbe, you're the first one who tried to understand where I'm coming from. For you, I'll stop. Wow. Understand? He didn't do anything but understand. I'm going to quote a secular book, but Rebbe Oluwik says there's a lot of wisdom in it, so I feel comfortable <laughs> quoting it. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So one of the habits is Seek to understand before trying to be understood. Try to understand the other person. There was a girl who came to Eitzel to learn in seminary, and um, her parents made her sign a contract that she would not ask to uh, come back for Shonabed. They felt it was very important for her to get on with her life and go to college, and that's second year, right? To come back for a second year. But she changed her mind. Kids do that sometimes. Sometimes even adults do that. And even though she signed the contract, she wanted to come back for a second year and she asked her parents and they said, there's nothing to discuss. Nothing to discuss. So she was going for Pesach and she was very upset and she said, what do I do? So somebody gave her advice. They said, let your parents see that you're unhappy. Now this was a kid who never walked around without a smile on her face. Never. And she somehow managed to look unhappy. I don't know how she did it, but she managed Anyway, she comes back to it, so to finish up the year. And her mother says to her, listen, I'm sorry that you are unhappy, but you just have to learn to accept it. So, uh, she says, you should talk to one of your rabbis and have them explain it to you. She says, okay, mom, maybe you should explain to one of my rabbis why I can't come back for Shonabat. She says, I'll be happy to. She says, why don't you talk to Rabbi Orlovsky? Sure. So she calls her and says, listen, my mom's going to call you. You have to convince her to let me come back for Shonabat. I said, okay, no problem. So mom calls me up, and she says, listen, I told her she can't come back for Shonda Beth. I told her that she has to go back to college, I explained everything to her beforehand, she signed the contract, she knows this is how we feel. I said, I understand. She says, and I, I, no matter what anybody says, I really believe it's in her best interest to come back and for her to go back to college and not to stay for a second year. I said, I understand. And she said, but she's so unhappy. And I said, listen, as parents, Sometimes we have to do what we think is right for our children, even if they're unhappy. If a kid is playing with a knife, you're going to take the knife away from them, you know, even though they're going to cry, you know. You have to put a kid into a car seat, you know. I'm talking about younger parents, you know. Um, My youngest kid is 10 years old. Um, My oldest daughter told my wife that she's closer in age to my wife than she is to her youngest brother. You know, this kid is. You know, he was an uncle three times at birth. You know, so uh, you know, when you get old, you just don't have the patience. You know, so you're like, S- uh, stop that. No, all
1: right.
0: Wait, stop, come back. You know, no, forget about it. But anyway, but uh, you know, you have this traffic kid into a car seat. Even the kid is crying. Even the kid is unhappy. You know, you got to do what's in their best interest. And the mother starts crying. And she says, but she's so unhappy, but it's so hard to see her like this. And I said, I understand, but you know you're doing the right thing, and how could you be wrong by doing the right thing, and et etc. etc. And I, you know, anyway, this was most of the conversation. Me making the mother feel better about her decision not to let her daughter come back. I hung the phone My wife said, what did you do? I said, seek first to understand before being understood. This mother is sure that a bunch of rabbis are going to call her up and yell at her and tell her what to do, and et cetera, et cetera. And I don't want to do that. I want her to know that I understand and appreciate where she's coming from. And then afterwards, we could have another conversation. The girl comes to me the next day and says, I don't know what you did. And my mom said I can come back for Shinabat. <laughs> and I said, Well, you know, you have to understand people. And, uh, you know, I have no idea what I did. All I did was validate her position, all I did was make her be understood. You know, the secret to Kirov is to be able to find the tzaddik in every person. And we have so little patience for people, for from people, for none from people, for our family, for everybody. We get annoyed so easily, you know. I was, uh, somebody gave me a bungalow up in the mountains one summer, my family. This was uh, a special treat for my wife who had grown up in bungalows. I grew up going to resort hotels. (laughs) Bungalows were for like refugees who had no place to go and you have to sleep in the kitchen, you know what I mean? And, you know, I called my brother. He says, where are you? I said, I'm in a bungalow. He says, really? So what are you doing? I said, sitting on the porch, listening to myself sweat. uh... But from here, I can see the, you know, the circle the women are forced to sit in all day. In the circle in the middle of the thing, there you know, and, you know, and, and pretend to listen to each other, you know. So, and it's just, it was just amazing, you know. They go to a bungalow colony, you know. So, um, uh, so I was, I was up there. So, every Shabbos I had to go to one of the bakeries there to buy some things, whatever it is. And I had a 15-passenger van. I kind of have a big family, you know. And I'm waiting for somebody to pull out. And people are pulling out, back in very, very quickly. And I have 15 passenger van. I can't maneuver it so well. And I finally manage to maneuver it in. And this other guy pulls in right next to me, close enough so that I can't open my door, blows his window and says, if you don't know how to drive, then you should stay off the road. Goes off to buy his things for Shabbos. And uh, my daughter, who was 12, looks at me and says, someone should give that man a potch. <laughs> And, uh, and I, said, uh, I said, it's just sad. It's just so sad, you know? And I, you see this over and over again where people have such little tolerance for other people. I'm not even talking about the non from people. I'm talking about from people. You know, we have no patience. We have no appreciation. We don't step into their shoes. I told somebody once, I said, before you fight with somebody, walk them away on their shoes. The person said to me, yeah, then you're a mile away and you've got their shoes. So, you know. <laughs> that's where they can't fight with you. Anyway. <laughs> you know, but do we really step into the other person's, you know, life? Do we appreciate who they are? Uh, I don't remember what I say from time to time, um, because when I'm busy speaking I can't listen, but uh, there's a famous story with the Chavetz time. Well, the Chavetz time was in an inn and there's this big Burly Russian soldier Who comes in And he sits down And he's acting disgusting And he's speaking disgusting And fe, fe, So someone goes over to the Chabetz Chaim And says Maybe you could say something to this man Like put a whammy on him And turn him into a frog or something You know what I mean do something with this man The Chabetz Chaim comes over to the man And says What a tzaddik you are All those years in the Russian army And you never converted and the big, burly Russian soldier starts to cry. And he says, "Rebbe, you don't know what they did to me. They took me away from my family when I was five years old. This is what they used to do. Take you for 20 years into the army. He says, and they used to beat me. And they starved me. You know, they put me in a, a tiny little stone box. I couldn't sit down. I had to stand there in the freezing cold without a blanket. They All they would do is torture me. But I knew I was a Jew and I would never give it up. The managed to bring this guy back. I was talking once to a, a rabbinical training program. I told this story over, and somebody said, What a great line. Like, let me jot that down in case I ever meet a big burly Russian soldier. <laughs> what a tzaddik you are, all those years. You know. I said, It wasn't a line. That's pshat, ayin toiv. Ayin toiv means that you look at someone and you see the tzaddik inside of them. There's no trick to seeing bad in people. There's plenty of bad in people. You want to find why somebody's no good? (laughs) It's very easy to find bad in people. People who are singing in the middle of my Uh. (laughs)
1: speech. It's
0: not hard to find bad in people. You know, there's a seminary in H.L. where there are five girls who apply for every uh, spot. Five girls apply for every single spot. So they have to reject four out of five girls. It's not hard. You can always find a reason to reject somebody. There's a problem with them, there's a problem with their mother, a problem with their sister, a problem with their aunt, a problem with this. And if there isn't, you make up one. You know, not a problem. Somebody came over to me once and told me about one of my kids that uh, they were machutsif to one of the teachers and, they, and they, they 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 made them cry and they were so upset and you know I I came up, I was younger then you know I was so upset I came home and I said to my daughter you know how oh, could you do something like this and then that it wasn't exactly like that you know the story you know guy says hey I heard you won hundred dollars playing uh, playing dice says it wasn't dice it was cards. It wasn't $100, it was $10, and I didn't win it, I lost it. But otherwise, (laughs) otherwise you got the story right, you know? My daughter says to me, you know, it wasn't a teacher, it was the swimming chug. And I didn't say anything to her, I just told her I didn't want to go into the water, and she got very upset, you know? Which, I think if you can't handle a kid who doesn't want to go into water, you really shouldn't be a swimming instructor, You know? (laughs) But uh, that gets you all upset, you know But the story got out of control, you know And the story multiplies So to reject somebody is very easy Um, I had a uh, In the last panel we were on I was with uh, uh, Rabbi Dr. Yaakov Solomon uh, Who, uh, if you didn't have the Discuss of hearing him speak this weekend Then you missed out on one of the great treats Of being at Project Inspire And and, uh, we had a, uh, a Disagreement I was right; he was wrong. (laughs) I say that with tremendous respect, but um, but it was a question of the state, you know, of Pariso, you know, and and uh, he he's an optimist and he sees things from the positive point of view, and I can admire that from a distance, but. Unfortunately, I have to deal with a lot of the problems that come up in Klai and a lot of the things that are going wrong, unfortunately. And uh, I see a lot of things that are going wrong. So I was, uh, every, uh, every Thanksgiving weekend I, I go to Europe and the Sivas Tours sends me to Europe to a different city um, where, uh, you know, uh, basically um, there's somebody else who is the tour guide, somebody else gives the Torah content of the place we're in and I just come along with everybody and have fun. That's my job, and I do it well. And, uh, you know, we go to places where we stay in fancy hotels, and they fly in a chef, and we have plenty of time for shopping, and we all find it spiritually uplifting. So, <laughs> that's my idea of roughing it. My idea of roughing it is sleeping with only two pillows. So, um, so uh, that's as we go to Europe. So I usually do a question and answer, Mozi Shabbos, and there was one trip, Mozi Shabbos, every question was basically the same. How come my kids are getting turned off by the educational system? this was all from people all in dimension what's going on and there's a lot of answers to this question I'll tell you what the one answer that that I think is incorrect there's no problem everything's fine I think that's a mistake I said I'll tell you what I think the problem is I started in the Hebrew Academy of Nassau County in 1964 which according to my revised biography was 15 years before I was born (laughs) I think if Superman can get a reboot so can I but anyway but uh When I started there, orthodoxy was dead in America. Everybody knew it was dead. It was a given it was dead. Conservative Judaism was taking over everything. Orthodoxy was for old men, you know, and and, and people in the Lower East Side, and the the South Bronx, you know, and it was all dying out. And that was it. If you decided to go to a yeshiva, you were a hero. I was a hero. There wasn't a havamina to throw us out. There weren't enough of us. You know, you had to keep you there. If you did something really bad, the prince would call you into the office and sigh. Ah, I know your family. They're such nice people. <laughs> really, really, this is what you're doing, this is what you're doing. And they took you back to class. They couldn't throw you out. We needed you. And you got a message, overtly or covertly, that you're a hero because you're willing to still be part of Torah Judaism today every kid gets a message every kid overtly or covertly we don't need you here I've got three people waiting to take your place step out of line and you're out I've heard people say this not in Zayeloshim but close we have too many from Jews you know can't find housing, can't find parking, can't find Shidduchim can't find the places in Yeshiva but what, we need more? That's what we need, more from Jews. So if we lose a couple, no, no, you know, what I mean? it's okay, it makes more room for everybody else. You know? People don't say it because they are lush, not not so trust. But but in one form or another, people are like, eh, I need more. I need more. The, the the brilliance of Project Inspire, and that's really why it's called Project Inspire, is more than one participant came here today and told me on the side, I'm not really here. To get involved with non from people I'm here to get inspired Because to be a from Jew today You know And to really feel good about yourself And to really believe in yourself How many people in this room Really believe that they're going to bring Mashiach? But I mean really Like you You're going to pull out your sitter And you're going to dive in Mincha And Mashiach is going to come because of you I have to tell you that most people Don't really believe that you know why? Because we don't need you. we got three more people waiting to take your place. I, says the Gemara nivra olam. there is nobody in the world more important than you. Make no mistake about it. Most of Klai Yisrael is separated away from Torah and Mitzvos. And those that are connected, how many of them care enough to be able to come to a weekend where they're going to sit through a Uh, uh, a davening with the traveling chassidim singing and dancing where they're going to stay up for some kumzitz on a Friday night till 12.30 in the morning. What kind of way is that for a firm Jew to behave? You should have been in bed by 6. You know what I mean? (laughs) And people are up all night and they're listening to talks and they're running around and they're going like this. There is no stronger, more dedicated, greater group in Klayersville than the people in this room right now and they're the ones who are going to bring the Tzia and if you don't believe it it's because the Yetzirah more than anything wants you not to believe how important you are we blow a hundred takiyahs what's the last takiyah for? the Ayav is a satan because he'll hear that last takiyah and he'll think Mashiach is coming Shiva Rav Henuch it's 2,000 years he's still falling for the same trick let him buy a machzah you know what I mean? says Rav Henuch the Satan isn't stupid. We are. Because if you knew how close you were at that moment to bring Mashiach, he's sitting on Shukis, this is my end. And then everyone says, Ah, oh, Baruch Hashem, let's go home and eat lunch. And he says, Phew, I made it again. You are so close to changing the world. My goodness, this whole Shabbos, people are telling stories. I met a I met an on person over here. I went over and I spoke to them, I lad. Look at all these poor Ballychumas stuck in Flatbush with no one to take care of them. They have to run to Borough Park. It's such a nice. <laughs> <habit. laughs> I tell you, a lot of people in Flatbush were not happy with that story, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, what does that mean? What does that mean? That means that the people in this room, we understand. <coughs> that we have the koyach to change people's lives. And I'm telling you, not just to change people's lives, but to change the course of history. There isn't a lot of time left, right? If you haven't heard this, let me make it very clear. When the Twin Towers went down, I went to Rebbulman Zatzal and I said, Rebbe, what's going on? And he said to me, David, this is Gog This is the start. I went to Moshe Shapiro, that Cholanoid us. I said, Rabbi, what's going on? He says, David, this is Gog This is the end. We are at the end. Somebody took a group of Talmud from Reb Chaim this past summer. And he said, Mashiach's not coming. He's outside the door knocking. This is it. It's the last minute of the game. You have the ball. I don't know if we're clapping for the balls for Kankayevsky. <laughs> uh, I don't mind, I'll take it, it's okay. okay? But, uh, but this is it. This is the end of time. And it's time that the people in this room woke up and to say that I'm not important is a luxury we can't afford. That's the Eitzahara. He wants to believe that you don't make a difference. And you will change the world. One person changed the world. Abra Vino was one person. You think you can't change the world? You, can't, you think you can't go over and say something to somebody? <coughs> I met two people over this Shabbos who told me that it was my little kids who were Makai people. They came over to the house and my little kids said something to them that I never would have said. You know, and they changed their lives. And you can't. You can't change the world. You can't change people's lives. We have one minute left. And I mean that in many ways.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I want to say what a it was for me to be able to participate in this, and I really feel bad there were so many other rabbis here. Because <laughs> so I didn't get to talk nearly enough. But, um, but I'm glad that I had this opportunity at the end to share just a few thoughts with you. And I have much more to say. But uh, time is short and there's food waiting. So uh, you don't want to get in between Jews and their food. I was a in residence at the Pesach hotel where people came over to me the whole Pesach to tell me how I changed their lives. And at the end of the entire Pesach, the entire hotel gave a standing ovation to the chef.
1: <laughs>
0: so I know my place in the world. <laughs> I leave you with this challenge, if you go home from this, there is no way to go home from a convention like this and not be inspired. I'm saying now, at the end of the day, we say, lemaisa. now what? I have to do something. And so I'm gonna take some of those shalachmonas baskets and I'm gonna give them out to some people. you know, And I'm going to you know, uh, find the you know, uh, person who's in charge of the one-on-one learning and I'm going to sign up because I'm going to go and I'm going to learn with somebody. And I'm going to make a, a, a Project Inspire group in my house and then have one of the great Project Inspire rabbis come down and speak. Whatever it's going to be. I'm not, I'm not going to choose for every single person. But I'm telling you that when you walk down the street and you smile at somebody, you change their life. I told this story over in one of my classes and with this I will conclude. Yeah? Uh, when I taught in the Jerusalem Fellowships uh, in Aish, so a guy would come up to me from time to time and say, "You know, Rabbi, you're the biggest challenge to my secular lifestyle." And I said, "Really? Which class did I give?" And he said, "None. I don't listen when you talk." <laughs> so I said, "So what is it?" Because I know I'm living this secular lifestyle. I can do anything I want, and I do, and I can't help but feel you're having more fun in life than I am. Wow. And I said, "Kills you, doesn't it?" <laughs> I said, "That's right, loser." You know. From Jews have the party <laughs> and if everybody in this room walks down the street and you have that smile on your face and that people know that you have something else that you have something better than everybody else, they will lead a path to your door time is running out, we are in the last few minutes of the game, now is the time for everybody to get off of the bench and to get out there and win the game, thank you very much